Welcome to the On Your Marks podcast, and I'm your host, Matthew Wood from GW Active. This is the podcast where we chat to the founders, leaders, and innovators behind the brands that inspire you to get on your starting blocks. The world of sport is competitive by nature, and a business that underpins it often has an interesting story behind it. And with this podcast, we aim to get an insight into those that drive it forward. On this episode of the On Your Marks podcast, I chat to Craig Downs, the founder and CEO of MIMO Group. MIMO is the accumulation of years of research, which resulted in a wearable tech device. The device measures a runner's gait and uses artificial intelligence to match running styles to all the latest shoes on the market. Craig is an experienced marketeer and also runs another business, Up North Communications. This conversation will be interesting to anyone keen to hear the insights of someone who has not only worked in the service industry, but has put the research and groundwork in needed to create a tech product. We started the conversation by asking Craig about his younger years. Um, well, I'm originally from Newcastle upon Tyne in the northeast of England, and um, I, uh, I went to my local school and I left there with only four GCSEs. Um, <laughs> wasn't really uh that successful at school and i think it was kind of a, a wake-up call for me that um because i didn't have enough to to be able to go and do a levels so um what i decided to do is do a btec course in the sixth form um and that's kind of what started started me off on my career path in business because um i really enjoyed the business um uh, course because it sort of gave you a real insight in terms of um how businesses operate and uh, the economy and, and even how to become an entrepreneur and how to run a business, but also looking at the fundamental aspects of running a, of, of like of a business, such as like marketing, HR, IT, and 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 and, and systems. So that was it. That was really good, and and I think um, I really shone from that. So I I, I really enjoyed doing that, and I I ended up with a, a great a great a very good grade at the end of it. Um, that was enough to then um, think about what I wanted to do with my career path. So. Um, I, I knew then I really wanted to go to university, but I, at the time I didn't really know what to study. I sort of had it in my mind that I wanted to do marketing, but I was a little bit nervous about choosing a degree specifically in marketing because I didn't want to spend four years and then at the end of it think, well, actually, I don't want to do marketing. I want to do something else. So what I decided to do was because I enjoy business studies so much, I try to keep my options open as much as possible. Um, so I ended up going to Northumbria University. So yeah, it was local. I'm from Newcastle and, and I went to the local university, but I did business studies, did a business studies degree. Um, and um, I, I got a 2-2 grade at the end of that. Um, but again, I really enjoyed it. And I think by the end of then, I realized that I, I, that's the career path that I wanted to do. I wanted to be in business in some capacity. And I really, and I was sort of swaying more towards the sort of marketing side of, of, of business. Um, so what I, what I decided to do was to try and get as much experience behind my belt as, as I could. I sort of left, I left there and, um, it, it's funny because I had, I didn't really have much options. So I was just doing odd jobs just to try and sort of make some money. And, um, I applied for a role at a local sort of advertising marketing agency and I always remember going for the interview with the, the the managing director and you go through the whole process and obviously they ask you the questions about like well what experience have you got and I didn't really have that much experience at the time because obviously you spend most of your time studying um and the response 
obviously I, did, I didn't get the job and the response that I got from it was quite sharp and I was quite taken aback by it, but it made me sort of realize that actually, yeah, you need, you need your education and you've got your qualifications, but you also need the experience as well. And I thought that was the, the sort of moment where I realized that I, I needed to try and get as much experience as I could if I was going to go on this journey. So um, I was quite fortunate, really. I bumped into an old school friend. Um, I was uh, just grabbing some lunch in Newcastle City Centre and um, I bumped into him and he just set up a, a, a mobile phone business for students. Um, and it, we just had a bit of chat and he was just like, oh, what are you up to? And I just said, oh, I, I was actually work, doing marketing for a wedding um, company. Um, <laughs> it, was like, it was boring as hell. Um, but um, I was like, oh, I'm not really doing anything, to be honest. Um, and he said, well, I've got a, uh, why don't you come and help give me a hand? You know, why don't you come and give me a, a, um, a help with the, the marketing? You know, he said, but I can't really pay at the minute because I'm just new, new startup. But he said, obviously, I've got all these plans. So basically, the, what he did was he set up a, a, a mobile phone company specifically targeting students, selling phones to students. So the idea was that you would go onto campus and you would sell phones to um, students who had just turned 18 so you could get them on a contract. And then what they would do is we'd go back to our local Orange at the time was an Orange provider and we'd go down and fulfill the orders. Um, anyway, we sort of, that was in the spring. And then in that summer, October, sort of, we were planning for all the, the freshers fairs and all the students coming back to university. Um, so we went around the whole country, like all these different fresh affairs, and we were just selling phones to students and the response was really, really good. And then it got to sort of sort of like November time and we um, were in Newcastle again having lunch. We don't always, we weren't always having lunch, but just coincidental. <laughs> but um, the Carphone Warehouse, um, there on the high street and in the front of the shop they had a, a magazine rack and it's, it was all the sort of latest phones and stuff. Um, and when you opened up on page three, there was an introduction from Charles Dunstan, who's the, he was the chief executive of, of um, Carphone Warehouse. And it just said, yeah, welcome to Carphone Warehouse. This is our latest sort of guide of phones. Um, if you need anything, drop us a line and get in touch. Um, so we did. So we sent him an email and um, just said, look, this is who we are. This is what we do. And um, never thought we'd get a response from him. And then we got a response within a couple of days. And he said to my friend at the time, he just said, oh, like, I know who you are and like, why don't you come down and we have a chat and just, so anyway, one meeting led to another and they ended up buying an equity in the business, um, which was, which was obviously, you know, it was great. And it was, a, and it, it was a, being at that age, it was like, wow, you know, this is, this could potentially go really far. So um, we became the student division of the car phone warehouse. So if you bought a phone from us, you were a Carphone Warehouse customer, but we were able to negotiate deals for students with, and that's where my role came in. So I was like negotiating affiliate deals with all the different high street stores. So if you bought a phone, it's like what you see nowadays, if you buy a phone or you buy something, you get a voucher, for example. So that was my, that became my role in marketing. So as you can see, pretty much my first job, I was catapulted into that sort of kind of um, corporate sort of marketing role. And uh, the, the the deal was that we um, we worked from uh, North Acton in London, so I actually moved down to London for um, for three years, and it was great experience. I mean, we were all, you know because we, we were targeting students, it was quite, and we had sort of the ability to. So we had T four, so we get we, we had one of the new VW Beetles that was released in Germany. We drove it from Germany back to the UK. I think we were one of the first one of the first 
people to have a v, brand new VW uh, Beetle in the UK and then we gave it away on T4 and we went over to Ibiza and we were sort of giving it away live on T4. I mean, it was just from a marketing perspective, it was great. I got some great experience, but um, three years in London was good. I mean, I enjoyed my time down there, um, but for me, I just felt my roots were back in the northeast. Um, I, I was sort of weekends. I was sort of still coming home on weekends. Um, it's not that I didn't settle, but I just felt like I had gained a lot of experience in a short space, a valuable experience in a short space of time. And I thought I was it was probably right for me to then start looking for a different career change. Going back to what I said previously, which was trying to keep my options open and try and get as much experience as I could. So I'd obviously worked for three years marketing a product in the private sector. So what I decided to do was completely have a career change and, and go into the public sector. So I ended up working for a, a local council. So if you can think, imagine going from running for a real sort of high street corporate store, you know, or really, you know, in terms of commercially focused selling, you know, in terms of sales, to then go on to work for a council it was a completely different career move um completely different culture but it was great and it was the, the reason being is that i wanted to get as much experience as i could so doing marketing mark doing marketing but marketing services so i did that and during that time i also took a sabbatical so i actually traveled around the world so i took a few months off and because i didn't get to do that while i was at university or when i'd finished university so i took that time out went around the world to you know which was obviously a fantastic experience um so i did work for a few years at the council and then i decided to work for third sector organizations so again it was marketing um and um that was again it's it, it, like not for profit so all the profits that they do generate then gets reinvested so again from a marketing perspective it was very very different but very good experience um did that for five years and then um we were working we commissioned a, a, a marketing a pr agency to do some comms work for us and um they were they were based in manchester but they had um clients all over the country and they wanted to have a presence in the northeast so um they in, sort of asked me if i would be interested in um working for the coming on board working for their agency but setting up their northeast office um, and running the agency so employing staff and managing clients bringing in new clients and I thought, oh, yeah, that's, a diff that's something a bit different. So I've gone from private sector to public sector, third sector to then agency. And I thought, I'll probably not get this opportunity to do this again. So I thought, yeah, why not? So I did. Um, and again, uh, great experience doing that for five years. But then after five years, I was thinking that. So I was sort of managing the accounts. I was bringing in new business. I was um, employing staff. Um, and I was doing this for somebody else. And then I thought, well, hang on a minute. Why, why at that time I then realized that I wanted to sort of become self-employed and I wanted to do something on my own so um, I thought why am I doing this for somebody else when I could just be doing it, it I am doing it anyway but obviously under a different name so I decided to set up my own PR agency um, so I've been doing that for the last five years that will be coming up to six years in April and um, so working with clients in the across all sectors private public third sector um, and it's it's great i mean that's my core business uh, that's what brings in the money uh, at the minute that's my bread and butter that gives you know puts the puts the food on the table and puts a roof over our head but um no, so it's interesting that, that's you... sort of my my background no that's really interesting you've got a really good insight into, into your whole story there and you've like i, I was going to ask you at that point in time before you started your agency were you working for other people during this process but you answered that question already and 
just just to go back to uh, your parents were, were your parents uh, business owners what are they working uh, or, or were, were they kind of in jobs or how did it play out for them yeah they weren't and they weren't um, self-employed my dad was an electrical engineer he worked on um you know large sort of um en- electrical engineering jobs like at, at the airports and and sort of um nuclear plants um <laughs> he had a really uh really high level job um my mom worked in retail so um there wasn't any um self-employment entrepreneurial sort of backgrounds there um my brother-in-law he um he was an entrepreneur or he is an entrepreneur he um has he had his own business which was very successful his background was it um so as i was working in business and i was sort of seeing what he was doing as well and and how successful he became um i think that gave me the drive um but my obviously my parents were very always have been and always are supportive so that you know i've got that solid sort of family sort of background and there and support so from the time when you went to university, I imagine you were 18 when you did that, to the time you started yeah. the business, the PR business in 2015, you started that before you started yeah. your current uh, venture. Um, like, yeah. how, how, how long was that? How long was that period between university and that first business you started? Um, so that'll probably be about um, eight, 17, 18 years. It's quite a while. No, yeah, it's a long time, but you've also packed in like every single sector within that. So like, yeah. This part of this podcast is trying to bring out bits of information that people can use to try and use for their own uh, startups. And yeah, that, yeah. that experience there of actually purposefully going out and working in different sectors and learning different things to get to the point where you think, right, I'm doing my own thing now. You've got yeah. a valuable experience to get to that point. Some people start young, some people start yeah. uh, older age, but people start young generally don't have the experience to kind of carry it through. They might quit after two or three years and you've proved that you've done this business for five years now. So you're at a point where it's kind of established yeah. through it. So, like just to bring in the sports element because that's your current business. Yes. Did you play sport at school? Were you a sporty person? Um, how how's sport been in your life? So so when I was at school, I, I enjoyed playing football. I enjoyed sort of going to the gym, um, and I used to go running. And I, I never used to do cross country or anything like that, but I used to sort of like enjoy doing the running. Um, and then. Because I live in Newcastle, on our doorstep is the Great North Run. And every year, I always used to sit and watch it on the television. And I always used to say, you know, I'd love to do that. But, you know, could I really run like, you know, 13 miles? And I just thought, I just don't really don't think I've got it in. And it, what happened, I mean, uh, we, my wife and I, we had a, a, a baby, a little boy, and unfortunately passed away. Uh, and that was what gave me the sort of initiative to think right you see all these people who are doing it for charity you see all these people who have got a million and one reasons why they they take up running and for me i felt that that was the 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 moment um so i I decided to sign up to do the great north run um, and raise money for sands and and that's what sort of got me into it so i started training for the, the great north run and i just really enjoyed it and got 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 that that bug that everybody gets you know when you're doing the running um and to actually go on and do the run successfully complete it and and have that achievement and also raise money for charity gave us that sort of you know that feeling of achievement um and then i thought well you know i've got to that sort of um level or i got to that sort of level of fitness i felt i felt great you know the, the sort of the adrenaline that you get from going out and having a run and for me really as well and even now 
having business to actually go out and just, you know, if you've had a long day at work, there's nothing better than just going out for a, a run just to clear your head. Um, and that's really where I get my sort of me time as well. So I can sort of just sort of switch off from the, the pressures of work, but just think about things and just sort of get out there and get the fresh air. And so I actually then started to, um, you know, enter 10K races and I was just sort of running maybe sort of two or three times a week, but really started to get into it and then actually realized I was okay. I was quite good at running. I was, um, you know, the times that I was getting, I was thinking, actually, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not at that high level, but I'm, you know, I'm quite competitive. And I think that's coming from the business side of it as well as that, you know, that striving for excellence and, and always trying to do your best. And um, so I started entering a few years, then park run came along, started doing park runs. And then I met, you know, that became a community and you, you see regular faces and you see these, um, people who are joining clubs who are also at park runs and you just get talking to them. And one day um, a friend of mine said, why don't you, have you ever thought about joining a, a club? And I said, well, I've thought about it, but I think, you know, you sort of my impression of joining a club was like, that's quite serious. That's just for serious runners. You know, that uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm at that level. I don't want to be showing up, coming to training one day and then you're all just leaving us for, for standing. But, um, you know, I decided to, to join the, a local running club and it just took off from there. Um, and that that's where that, you know, running became a hobby. Running is a huge part of my life, not only just for, for my mental side of it, just to sort of, you know, to, to have that fitness and, and, and to, to, um, keep that mind focused, but just, you know, just to, to, um, to have that, um, in your head just to sort of get that fresh air and just get out there and exercise well definitely and it's, it's the reason why i do it as well personally it's, it's great for that to kind of clear your head and think about the things you've happened in the day and stuff and i think a lot of people yeah. do the same things coming back to when you started your current business mimo and and how that came about so you were already running your pr business and you've been doing that for a year i think when when this started so obviously you're working mm -hmm. in a sim like in a, a space where you're spotting opportunities and that sort of stuff how did this particular brand uh, come about and uh, how, how was it formed? Okay, so the, the PR business is still running. Um, so I still, I still run that as well. Um, and yes, it's been in the making for four years, but we officially launched Oct end of October last year in 2020. So um, although it's taken four years to, to get to market, but like I say, the, the PR business is sort of my, what, what sort of brings in the sort of my, my, my salary basically. Um, so what happened was I, I signed up to do um, a, a marathon. Uh, I was marathon training and um, I wanted to try and find a, a, a lightweight sort of middle distance shoe that I could use for tempo sessions and speed sessions. Um, I needed a support shoe. Um, I didn't really know too much about gait at the time, but anyway, I went into my local running store and uh, did the old gait test. Um, although they did sort of just, they, they don't put you on a treadmill, they just sort of stand and watch you walk and, and, and that's how they analyze your gait. So um, they advised, a, a sort of guided me to buy a pair of shoes, which I did, took the advice, bought them, um, had it, wore them for a couple of weeks and, and then started developing injuries. Um, it was basically, it was a neutral shoe and I was sort of going out doing tempo sessions in this shoe that was just not giving us enough support and eventually I got injured. Um, and while I was out injured, um, I thought, you know, this is 
you know, there must be something out there in the marketplace that's a product, personal product that you can sort of buy and use yourself to measure your gait. That's then going to guide you to buy in the right type of shoes. And that's how the journey started. Um, so again, you know, as a, as I do, you go out for, you go out training, you go out running, you kind of getting these ideas, but obviously at the time I was injured. So I was using that time and just speaking to other runners and, and I was sort of asking them about what their experiences were of, um, sort of buying shoes etc um having gait assessments and it became quite apparent that a few people had been injured because they'd been sort of either bought the wrong shoes because they'd made that judgment judgment themselves or because they'd been sort of advised by somebody that they, those were the right shoes for them and um and 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 they turned out they weren't and they ended up getting injured so that's how how the idea came about so um my background like i say is not it's not technology it's not gait i'm not you know um my background's marketing. So what I did was um, I brought in experts within their fields. So spoke to physios, spoke to people who specialize in biomechanics, spoke to, um, so we actually applied for some funding, which was, it helps. There's lots of funding for, if you've got a business idea, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. There's always um, funds available to access, to grow your business and scale up. Yeah. So, um, there was a fund that we applied for, which was, um, called, it was part of this uh, thing called creative fuse project, which was to, um, fund innovative projects to help them accelerate and grow. Um, but as part of that, what they did was they matched you with one of the local universities. So it was a Northeast fund. So there's five uh, universities in the Northeast and they would match you up with one of the universities as a small business and you would collaborate with academics and researchers to, to sort of identify what the problem is or, or identify what the innovation is that you want to do and, and develop it. So for us to have access to academics and researchers within the university was, was pretty good. And obviously as a former um, student uh, at, at Northumbria University, we, we found that there was expertise within um, Northumbria University who specialised in sort of gate assessment and gate analysis. Um, so we applied for the funding, we were successful and that's how the, the relationship started. And for us as a, now as a commercial organisation going to market, I think it's important because the first question and, and rightly so the first and I would ask the same question is that customers are saying well prove that it works and as a commercial organization we could quite easily have turned around and said well yeah you know we know it works because we've tested it on 400 runners but is that enough I don't think it is whereas now you know whereas what we can say is well actually yes we've actually collaborated with Northumbria University for the last three years they've actually developed tested, implemented the artificial intelligence algorithm that actually produces the results for MIMO. Um, and they've all, because they're academics, they publish papers on the research that they've undertaken. So we've actually, there's actually in the public domain, you can search for it. Um, it's um, the, the approach to how they develop the artificial intelligence algorithm for MIMO. And I think that gives us the credibility. Um, so, as you can see, what I've done is I quickly identified that I needed to bring in that expertise. So we had the university, we were, we had physios, we had sports therapists, so we still do have those uh, that we work with. Um, and that's how the journey started. Um, so the, the actual product itself. So you obviously spent all that time researching, getting the information you needed and collecting a lot of data from the university, which is obviously is, is high level research, which is important for a business. So you've obviously identified, I need to get the research in, I need to get the kind of information together. But then the actual product itself, how did you come to create that? Was it a case of, um, 
creating a prototype in the UK, then outsourcing it to a, a, a foreign country and then kind of coming back with a kind of a good supply chain? Or was it a case of everything was made in this one product and we're going to try and sell to someone who wants it in the UK? How did it play out for you? Yeah, so it, uh, it's a funny one, this, because I always say it's not like just if you're making beer mats, you'll just create a yeah, design and get it cut out. It's a bit, uh, yeah. Um, so what we did was, because it's so complicated, we sort of chopped the project into four work packages. So you've got the actual sensor itself, which obviously is is the nuts and bolts, which um, collects the data and and, and uh, measures measures the, 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 um, the, the data on the foot. Um, we also identified that we needed to create a sock, a specially designed sock. And the reason for that is that the sensor has to be in a particular position on the foot. And the only way that we could guarantee that customers would be able to put the sensor on the foot in that right position was to create a sock. Um, we also needed to develop the uh, software, the, the app, uh, and also the backend CMS database. And then obviously we had the project working with uh, Northumbria University. Now by dividing that whole work that whole project into four work packages what it also enabled us to do was to access even more funding from different partners so um so so what they do is when they provide the funding they look for outputs so for example with the actual sensor itself we worked with an electronics partner who they had funding which we accessed and the output was they had a prototype they developed the prototype. One thing I will say is that we've collaborated, all the, all the organizations that we've collaborated with are all in the, based in the UK and they still are. And that's something, again, I'm very proud of that we've been able to do that. It's quite easy to um, outsource to China because obviously, yes, it's cheaper, but our concerns were, were that you don't have full control over how things are being made. Um, there's obviously issues with, um, or, or delays in terms of getting product into the UK and there's obviously costs associated with that. And I just felt that if you've got organized, why, why, why ship it to the UK when you've got organizations here in the UK that um, are, are just as, as, as good. Um, obviously the difference being is the cost. Yeah. Um, and I think because we're a new organization going to market um, and what I will say is that a lot, all of this has been self-funded um so you have to be realistic but then when we get to a position where we're looking to scale up that's when we'll be looking to to obviously try and gain what further economies of scale where we'll be able to sort of maybe source components cheaper um so what we did was we collaborated with the uh, organization who did develop the sensor so the sensor has an accelerometer and a gyroscope uh, it also has a bluetooth module fitted inside it as well so what it does is it connects to your mobile phone and makes that connection and it's all app driven it's it's all within the mimo app so it actually it gives you step-by-step -step instructions as to how you actually do a test uh, so once you've made the connection what it says is you put the sensor in in the sock and it asks you which foot do you want to test first is it the left foot or the right foot um, and you just go through the process the first 10 seconds of the test is you stand still um, and that the reason for that is it's just so that the sensor can cal um, calibrate um, and it understands what ground zero is and then it asks you to run for 50 seconds and what you do is you just run naturally in your own natural environment and I think that's sort of there's a couple of differences where we're a little bit unique one is that when you do the gate test with MIMO you do it in your own natural running environment outside so what we do is we ask you to pick a nice, long, smooth, flat surface, like a, a path or a road that's just recently been sort of relayed that's not obviously going to hurt your foot. Um, and 
you know, you, you just do it in your own environment and, and nobody's watching you. Whereas when you go for gate assessments in store, um, they'll ask you to run on a treadmill and they're standing there watching you or talking to you. And you don't run naturally. You, you, you know, you, you feel like you're running differently. So that's one, one unique um, difference in terms of my mode. The other unique difference is that you do our test barefoot. Um, and we did a lot of research into this. Um, and the reason why we ask you to run barefoot is so that we can get the most natural measurement of your gait. Um, now, if you're going to, using the example, if you're going into a store, some stores will ask you to run barefoot on a treadmill and some stores will ask you to wear a neutral shoe. Yeah. Now, even if you're wearing a neutral shoe, let's just say they give you a neutral shoe with a 10 mil heel drop. That's not still, that's still giving you an element of support, even though it's a neutral, neutral shoe. It, so, the reason why we do it barefoot is that it gives us, us the most natural measurement. Now, obviously, we had to do a lot of testing barefoot running to, to sort of understand and putting the sensor on different parts of the foot to understand what data, you know, what's that data telling us? Is that data right? And then we were asking the experts to look at that data, analyze that data and tell us. And that then started, that then guided us as to where we should actually place the sensor. And because you only get one, is that, well, where's the best position? Is it on the back of the foot, on the side of the foot, on the inside or on the top? So the actual, doing the testing, the data was presented to us and it demonstrated that by having the sensor on the talus joint on the top of the foot was the most sensible position to, in order to collect the characteristics that we need to measure your gait. And the characteristics are your foot strike pattern. So how your foot actually strikes the ground, whether your heel strike or a midfoot or a forefoot striker, but also whether there's any degree of pronation and whether you're pronate, whether you're neutral or whether you're supinate. And by having the sensor on that talus joint, that actually can measure those characteristics. So it measures X, Y, Z of your accelerometer and with accelerometer is up and down, forwards, backwards, side to side. And then it measures your XYZ gyroscope, which measures the tilt and roll of your foot, which obviously picks up in terms of your, 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 uh, your pronation. So then what happens is once you've done the test, that data is then sent to your mobile phone. And then it uses your phone's connection to push the data into the cloud. The, the algorithm sits in the cloud, it collects the raw data and it processes the data and it actually gives you a result for your left foot and your right foot. But then looking at that, that data um, together and then it gives you an output it gives you a recommendation so what it does is it says right your left foot is four foot and you're a neutral um uh you, you, you know your foot's neutral on your right foot again your four foot and it's neutral therefore the overall shoe recommendation would be a neutral shoe that information is then sent back to the consumer on the phone and then what happens is you're then presented with a list of shoes so you're register you register your profile so um, obviously in my case, I'm male because I want male shoes. Um, you do your test and it comes back that you're neutral. So it only recommends men's neutral shoes. You then have a database of um, all the latest shoes. So we are independent. We are completely independent. We're not, so, um, we don't get commissioned from any of the uh, retailers or any of the manufacturers. So we have all the manufacturers on there and all the shoes. Um, you then have the ability to filter that database and you can filter the database by price, which is recommended retail price. Um, you can filter it by brand, by uh, fit. So if you're looking for a wide fitting shoe or a racing shoe, you can um, filter by weight, color. So if you just want a shoe that's, say, let's just say you're in the market for a shoe, you've done your gate test and you want to find a shoe, but you don't want to spend anything more than 80 pounds 
it'll give you a list of shoes that are available. If you, like when I was doing my marathon training, going back all those years, I could do my test. It would say I need a neutral shoe and it would say, okay, I would like to fill out the database. I would like a lightweight shoe. I would like a minimum heel drop of at least six mil because I've had problems with my Achilles. So I want that little bit of support. And I only want a purple shoe, let's just say. Yeah, and what it'll do is it'll give you that information. Now at the moment, if you wanted to find a shoe that meets that specific criteria, it's quite difficult to find because you'd have to go through lots of different websites and retailers to try and find that actual shoe. No, it's, it's, um, it's whereas like, with my... Like the, the way, the way so, you so yeah, positioned it in terms of it's like, like a marketplace almost for, for finding the right shoe for you and it's independent of, of everything else out there. Like without Absolutely. without having something like this, is is your aim to try and sell this product direct to consumers? And then, obviously, I'm thinking from this perspective of this of this podcast, it's a business podcast, so we're trying to think about ways to monetize things in the future. And obviously, you're at the starting point, you're trying to get the name out there, get people using the product itself. But over the next, like, say, three or four years, would your aim to be selling to every single runner in the country so that they can test their gait and then find the perfect shoe for them, or would it be to sell to the manufacturers or the retail stores to try and make them upsell that with a pair of shoes to make sure they have the, the right choice in mind or have it in the stores themselves. There's a few different angles you can go down because I imagine if you've got every single runner in the country using this and then everyone's going on your app and then you click through to buy a pair of shoes, then you get a percentage cut from that. That, that could be very, very powerful. And yeah. it's, not, it's not been done before. And the only people doing it are people who have the insoles. And I've noticed a few, few shops, retail shops and maybe sweatshop they have someone in store where they can like mold the insole to you in store itself. But this yeah. is really taking, taking the independence back for the runners themselves. Whereas yeah. if you go, go into a store, you like to be pushed down the route of whoever they get on with in terms of the reps in the stores themselves. So it's very interesting. Oh, yeah. it's, it's pretty unique. If you don't mind me saying, you've got quite a good knowledge of the, te the technical side of things for someone who claims that they weren't very smart at school and stuff. So it's um, <sighs> how did you get really into it. Like what, what's made you so enthusiastic about this um do you know what i get asked that question a lot and, I, and for me if i can help other runners to find the right shoes to avoid getting injured and to keep them active then i've achieved that's what my ultimate goal is you know yes it's a business and yes obviously i want to obviously try and make money but you know ultimately what i'm trying to create is a community I think there's a gap in the market. There's definitely a gap in the market. Like you've said there, there's, there's an opportunity there where you've got at one side of the scale, you've got shops who are, some you, they'll do free gate assessments, some they'll charge you. And they're obviously going to be incentivized to sell particular brands from the manufacturers or win store promotions or whatever they've got left in stock to sell. They're going to try and sell them. And they can't all claim to be completely impartial because they don't offer all all the brands you've got the other side of the perspective which is if you have because let's just you know we have to acknowledge that shoes aren't going to correct your gait the shoes are there to help you to make sure that it's a support in the gait that you have however if you've got underlying injuries so if you've got an imbalance or if you've got problems like weak glutes or if you've got um, hip you know imbalance you know that's further up the chain you would probably look to probably go into a main a physio lab and, and get a full you know gate analysis where you would pay 120 pounds so there's at the moment in the marketplace there's those two and i think where my most positioned is somewhere in the middle and it's like what you say it's giving that independence back to the runners to make let, help them make that decision so we've done the gate we, we, we know it's accurate we know it's 
consistent and that's another huge point for us because the stores are not consistent in how they deliver gate assessments because you can go into your local store map down you know wherever you live and you can have a, a gate assessment now you could come up here in the northeast and walk in any running store and have a gate assessment and the experience will be completely different there's no consistency in, in terms of how a gate assessment is undertaken it's all done by the, the individual who you know at the end of the day they're, they're there to sell shoes but they're not qualified to do to to give gate assessments um but it's based on their knowledge and experience you know and it's what they've picked up over time whereas with mimo it's digital it's consistent it's accurate and we know that so i think we've got a really unique product now just on your question there our primary market is the the end consumer the runner yeah um and yeah i'd love to get that product out there to every single runner in in in, in the uk and across europe and, and globally because i think it, it, it you know the gate assessment or mimo isn't to be seen as just as a one-off gate assessment whenever you're looking to buy a new pair of running shoes you would want to use it just to check to make sure your gate hasn't changed your gate can and does change over time you know as you get older um, my gates changed, so I had problems with my Achilles. So what I did was I did a lot of uh, strengthening work on the ankle joint, and and now I'm a neutral and a neutral shoe. You know, so if you've been injured and you're coming back from injury, you can do it. I've had a lot of customers, or a lot of customers have asked us, will it help me to transition? Well, yes, it will. So if you heel strike and you're looking to transition to midfoot strike, you can use Mimo to test it to see how you're progressing and to see if you can make that transition. So it's lots of things. Now, in addition to the actual product itself, we've also developed a kind of community called MIMO Plus, which is um, added value for runners, which is complementing the runners is that you've got strength and core exercise videos on there. So physio led videos that tells you how to strengthen your glutes, how to you know, work on your hamstrings, et cetera. Um, we've got um, weekly Pilates classes specifically for runners. So it's targeting all those sort of muscle groups specifically for runners. It's um, sports therapists giving advice on injuries and the typical type of injuries they get you get as a runner. And, and what they would do typically as an assessment in, 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 a, in their practice and the sort of exercises that they would give you to do at home, which you can just do at home. We've got a personal coach who develops personal training plans to help runners to achieve their goals so we've created a community so so i think there's a couple of parts to it yes it is interesting for the manufacturers they'll want to make to to engage with us and um make sure that their products are on our database so at the moment the gate test is recommends road running shoes we've actually because we've had requests from customers we've actually just as of last weekend uploaded trail shoes now the trail shoes Again, are all the latest shoes, but it's a different filter, so it's not linked to your gait test because with trail shoes, there obviously depends on the terrain that you're running on. Yeah, so it opens up another market for trail shoes. So it could be a company who sells trail shoes, you know, that might want to to work with us and would love to work with with them. I think there's various different business models. You know, there's this side of it in terms of the the, the running product. But there's also the subscription-based service. I think we're also working on a, a, a version two, which is going to be specifically to help physios so they can actually use the MIMO in their practices to do the gait assessments. Uh, and we're working with them to find out what data it is that they want and what they will use to help them in their in their role. Um, we're also looking at extending the technology into other sports. So we're looking at hiking and walking, for example. Um, and we're also looking at the healthcare market. So this is a completely different move away from sport, but we're looking at 
using and we actually are doing a, a bit of research with Northumbria University at the moment, which is using the MIMO sensors on older people who have aging diseases, so Parkinson's or dementia or MS, and looking at the gait cycle. Um, so it's huge. You know, there's lots of different opportunities and business models there. But at the moment, you know, let's, you know, we've got to, to walk before we run, <laughs> pardon the pun. <laughs> um, we, we've, we've got a, I think we've got a really great product that's, that's going to help runners to make sure that they're wearing the right shoes, you know, make, you know, when it's proven that by wearing the right shoes, it minimizes any sort of risks of getting injury. Um, but it also helps them to sustain their, their fitness and, and be, be active. And that's ultimately what, 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 what it's about. No, that's very interesting. And you've kind of almost outlaid what you're going to want to do with it over the next few years as well there. So you kind of your vision of how it could be, and it could go anywhere really, because it's such good yeah. technology. You spent so long kind of producing it. Hopefully that will pay dividends in the long term. So just to kind of get more onto you as we kind of go, to, go towards the end of this conversation. Um, what are some of the kind of sacrifices that you've had to make to kind of get to the point where you started your own business? I know you've already you worked in a lot of areas and across a, a variety of things, but to get to the point where you said, I'm starting this business and obviously the PR one came first. Like what were some of the things that you felt you had to do over that first couple of years that you wouldn't have had to do if you didn't start a business? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, it's like anything with business, you're always going to be presented with obstacles and barriers. And I think um, being in business myself, you know, that's taught me a lot, but I think if you've got that sort of vision and that focus on the end goal and you're determined to reach that end goal, you will reach that end goal. So I know it's been, it's, I can see how it's quite easy for people to have got business ideas who have got, who want to sort of look into becoming self-employed or set up their own business, how it never, ever gets to business. It never, ever gets to market because the two biggest things are cash, ultimately, you know, it's constant out, outlay of, of cash, um, but also the, the just sort of obstacles, you know, there's always obstacles, but there's always a solution that you can always find a solution. Don't give up, you know, and sometimes some of the problems, some of the issues that we've faced on this journey has been a, is a, is, has been a huge learning curve. And, uh, yeah, when I said to you before, it took four years to take to market. If I was to start again with the knowledge that I've got now and do it all again, I could probably have taken this product to market within a year hmm. because there's a lot of learning that goes along the way. Um, but what I know now compared to what I knew before, um, I could quite, I think we could have probably taken it to market within a year. However, I wouldn't be in this position now if I hadn't gone through that journey. So I always value the experience that I've gained. And this goes all the way through all the jobs that I've had mm. in, in business um, and getting that background. Um, I think the other thing is there's, 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 a, there's a lot of support out there for people who want to set up business and, and have ideas. Um, you know, there's, 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 there's so many different um, networks out there that you can access, whether it's just advice about developing a business plan, whether it's, you know, how to do your marketing, how to um, take products to market. Uh, you know, there's, there's so much uh, advice out there that you, 
and it's free. You know, a lot of it is free that you can that you can access. Do you have some examples so, of um, stuff that you've read that or read or seen or watched that, that that's really inspired you or helped you along the way? Because you've obviously mentioned your your brother in law who was kind of inspiration with starting his own business along the way, but like some people read books to get information that they don't have access to in terms of their family. People watch movies, YouTube videos. What is it? What are some of the yeah. things, examples that you've watched that could be of use to people? Um, there's a book by Seth Gordon called start with the why, uh, that is really good. And it sort of changes your mindset in terms of business. It's not about what you do or how you do it. It's why you do it. And it's its purpose. And I, and it's only a short book, but it's really powerful. And it, and I think when you when you look at you know apply that why are you in business? So why is my, why am I doing what I'm doing? It's because I want to help other runners. It's because I want to help them get active and keep fit. And it's because I don't want them to get injured like I did and fall down. This sort of same you know that that ended up getting the wrong shoes. That's why I'm doing it. It's not why. It's not uh, how I'm doing it uh, or what I'm doing it. It's it's the why, and I think so. That that book was really good. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, there's loads of stuff on social media, but uh, one of the one of the things that really benefited me was uh, um, which I didn't touch on before is that I also went to Durham University to do a um, an advanced diploma in entrepreneurship, which was a it was a sort of um, a course where you worked in a small to medium sized business and then you did sort of day release once once a week um for for a year now that was that was really useful um and i gained a lot from that as well because it was only a small cohort of sort of 10 to 12 of us but you sort of got real sort of one-to-one -one guidance and help and i think that really helped as well um but yeah a, a lot of it is just experience and for me it was being experienced as you can tell with all the different um sort of sectors that i've worked in is just getting that experience you know getting you know learning as i go along definitely yeah like you, you have emphasized that quite a lot throughout the interview like it is the experience you've gained that's got you to the point it is and i think everything you've done would mean that you could do everything faster now like you said you can yeah. take a product to market in a year whereas it's taking you four years to get to the point but you didn't you couldn't do what you do now without the information you've got and I think the course you mentioned, that's a, that's a good example of reaching out to try and advance yourself, to try and find more information that you're not currently got accessible yet. So that, that, that there's some great lessons from, from your story here that people can take away. Just some yeah, quick yeah. fire ones to kind of wrap up this conversation. And okay. I'm going to go through it. So favorite book? Seth Godin, start with a why. You've got to mention I'm a big Seth Godin fan as well. I, I do yeah, like he's, he's good. It's good. Yeah. Favorite film? Oh... I love Top Gun. <laughs> I'm waiting for Top Gun 2 to come out. <laughs> uh, I don't really have that much time to watch films, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, Top Gun's still a favourite of mine. That's a good one. Um, favourite TV show? I don't watch TV shows. Honestly, I don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> favourite, this one's obviously quite poignant for you. Favourite shoe brand? And uh, I'm on about a running shoe brand that maybe that you like or you've worn in the past. Not so much your favourite. Poor. Um. I don't know whether I should answer this because I, 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 <laughs> one of our values is to remain completely independent and impartial. So okay, I well, tend not to sort of uh, push one brand over another. But um, I think with with me, I mean, obviously I've tried a lot of shoes and over the time as part of the research, etc. Um, and there's so many different, obviously, makes and models and technologies out there. Um, if I was to pick one, uh, I'd say Adidas. 
you know, it's well, a shame I, I, that I've, it works, you know, for me. But everybody, like everybody's different. Yeah, you know, I can speak to a friend of mine, and he's 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 a night guy, and you know, there's another one who's he's, he loves his hawker. So it's just different. I suppose that's the point in, in your in your products itself. It, it is that everyone's different. Everyone's got their own shoe type. It's not necessarily this shoe's great. Everyone wear it. It's find out what the shoe yeah. is for you, and that's that's a good answer. So, um, sports watch. Uh, well, I wear Garmin. Um, yeah, I wear Garmin, so that's, that's all I've ever used yet. Favourite running clothing brand? Uh, I like the Nike um, quality of it. It's, it's comfortable and, yeah, I do Nike. Favourite sport? Running. <laughs> <laughs> and and for, yeah. football, you mentioned when you, you played when you were a kid. Boy. Football, yeah, I mean, I, I was just, yeah, uh, football, um, I support Newcastle United. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so, um, yeah, I like, I like football, so. And favourite radio show or podcast? Uh, I listen to Marathon Talk um, because of obviously what, what I do. Um, and I, I listen to Radio 1 quite a lot. So usually have that on in the office in the background. Perfect. Right. Great. Thanks for that today. It's been really insightful and it's great to learn about your product and, and about the future. And it's very exciting and, and, and good luck with everything. Oh, thanks for having us on, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you. For more information on MIMO, check out their website at mimo.co.uk. M-Y-M-O. For more information about Craig, check out his Instagram at Craig underscore Downs one. And that's it for this episode of the On Your Marks podcast. If you'd like more information on GW Active, check out gwactive.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us again soon.